you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are just over three weeks until the NFL draft. It's the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Bo Brock, daily host of Locked On Cardinals. In today's episode, it's brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. I'll also tell you which Built Bar is the best-tasting Built Bar of them all. Who took home the championship of our Built Bar bracket? I'm serious with that. Make sure you're following along on Twitter, at Pods. We had a question that you're going to want to interact with coming up here in uh, just a few minutes. And also follow me, your host, Bo Brock, at B-O-B-R-A-C-K. We've got a big podcast on tap for you. Benjamin Solak of Locked On NFL Draft here on the Locked On Podcast Network. He's going to answer which team could throw a wrinkle in the entire NFL Draft multiverse or send it in several different directions with a single pivot in its drafting of a certain prospect or position in a couple weeks from now. The Houston Police Department has launched an investigation concerning Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. We're bringing on lawyer Byron Brown. He's going to tell us what this investigation means for the Watson case Put it in context for a dummy like myself. Looking at some news and notes from over the weekend, the NFL Network reporting that it will cost teams a first rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo. That return would be larger than what San Francisco gave up, a 2018 second round pick when it pried Jimmy G from the New England Patriots. And uh, this is on the heels of San Francisco trading up to third overall in this upcoming draft. I think, you know, the Pats at 15, that's too high of a price to pay For Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm looking at the rest of the draft. You know, the the team that I think that's not the worst fit, and it might be worth a late first-round pick, would be the Saints at 28. But it looks like they are content moving forward with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill competing and battling it out for the quarterback position. Speaking of signal callers, Jalen Hurts, he's going to be donning a new number from his rookie campaign as he goes into his sophomore season. He'll be wearing number one next season for the Philadelphia Eagles. Same number he wore in his final collegiate season, playing for Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners. By far his best statistical season. Got him drafted in the second round. And now number one on the depth chart as well for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Falcons, they're heading to London next season. The organization announced it's going to serve as a home team for one of the NFL's International Series games. They'll play where the football club, the Tottenham Hotspur, call home. The date, the opponent, that'll be determined once the NFL releases its schedule in May. And finally, tonight is the Men's College Basketball National Championship game, the contest that a lot of hoopheads wanted to see. Top seeds Baylor. Versus Gonzaga, which punched its ticket with a buzzer beater nearly from half court. As incredible as the Zags have been in the past two decades, uh, going from Cinderella into perennial title contender, the Bulldogs and head coach Mark Few have yet to win the college hoops final game of the season. They have not won the national championship. This is their second time playing in the game. But, you know, it, it brings up when we sit here on the Lockdown NFL podcast that there's a large group of rubber stamp future pro football Hall of Famers playing in the league that haven't hoisted a Lombardi trophy. And I want to take you through my top four. And we want to hear from you. We'll post it at Lockdown NFL Pods. You tell us who the 
best active NFL player is right now that hasn't won a ring. So here's my list. At number four, it's a guy that I've watched his entire career. I've had the pleasure of watching him and covering him, and he's going to be wearing a gold jacket whether or not he wins a Super Bowl or not. And I think all four of these guys, that's that's probably the case. Maybe one one major debate. But somebody I cover on a daily basis, and we're debating now whether or not he's coming back, and that's Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald is second in almost every major receiving statistical category behind Jerry Rice. He's had an incredible career, and despite not having the most talented quarterbacks throwing him the ball, he had a handful of years with Kurt Warner. He had a handful of years with Carson Palmer, and now he's had a couple seasons with Kyler Murray. But in between that, peppered in between those quarterbacks, it's some ham sandwiches. Brutal. Like Max Hall, John Navarre. Just not impressive quarterbacks. But the one thing that I have to give Larry Legend credit for is Fitz left the field leading in a Super Bowl because he made a big, huge 43-yard touchdown catch and run to put the Cardinals up on the Steelers only for Big Ben to come back. Santonio Holmes tap his toes and the Steelers steal one from the Arizona Cardinals. So I think that Larry Fitzgerald with the stats, with his performance in that Super Bowl, He's going to go in the Canton, and there's never going to be really any true criticism because he couldn't win the big game. Number three on this list is it could be Larry Fitzgerald's teammate. I mean, he's on the Arizona Cardinals roster. He signed a two-year deal this offseason, and it's J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, now at 31 years old, is a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He's a perennial pro bowler, and he's regarded as one of the best defensive players of the last decade. But outside of blowing a 24-point divisional round lead, the Houston Texans really haven't even sniffed a Lombardi trophy. And get him out of the conversation of just being a player that put up some gaudy statistics. That he was a guy that was a winner. He wasn't on some pretty subpar Houston Texans teams his entire career. Number two on this list is one of the greatest running backs of all time. I'm talking about Adrian Peterson. Now, depending on what happens with A.D., and Frank Gore. If Frank Gore doesn't make it on an NFL roster in 2021, Adrian Peterson would be the active leading roster. Now, Peterson, he's got to make a roster himself, but he has over 14,000, almost 15,000 rushing yards. Last season, he played uh, for a very bad Detroit Lions team, and that's been the thing about Peterson the last couple seasons is he hasn't played for any relevant teams as far as being in the thick of contention. Lions weren't in it last year. When he's playing in Washington, they weren't really in the thick of the playoff race. He was in Arizona for a cup of coffee. And he kind of dealt with the same thing Larry Fitz dealt with in not having a lot of great quarterbacks to play with. He had one really solid season of Brett Favre. But outside of that, it was the AD show. And like J.J. Watt, Adrian Peterson is a guy that put up some eye-popping numbers. But it didn't translate to a lot of wins on the football field. Now, number one on this list, it's got to be a quarterback, and it's Matt Ryan. Because regardless of what happens with those other three guys, Larry Fitzgerald, J.J. Watt, Adrian Peterson, if they don't win a Super Bowl, they're going to Canton. I think Matt Ryan, the jury's still out. He's probably, as of right now, in the Hall of Very Good. But he could fall in line with a guy like Phillip Rivers, where it's going to be tough to decide whether or not 
he's hall worthy. The stats are there, absolutely. When you look at the active passing yardage leaders or most major statistical categories for quarterbacks, Matt Ryan's in the active top 10. He's got more passing yards than Aaron Rodgers. He's got over 55,000 passing yards. So not only would Matt Ryan need the Super Bowl to back up the statistics, but he also has 28-3. He was the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons that blew a 28-3 Super Bowl lead over Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And that's what people are going to think of when they think about Matt Ryan, for the most part. And I know the Falcons, who are sitting at fourth overall in the NFL draft, are as far as you can possibly be right now from winning a Super Bowl. But as far as active players that would benefit from winning a ring, I think Matt Ryan would benefit the most. So Larry Fitzgerald, J.J. Watt, Adrian Peterson, Matt Ryan are the top four players active right now that are the best that haven't won the big one. Let us know who you think is the best player who hasn't hoisted the Lombardi Trophy at Lockdown NFL Pods at B-O-B-R-A-C-K. Benjamin Solak is going to join us from Lockdown NFL Draft, and he's going to tell us, why the Atlanta Falcons at four are so important to the rest of the 2021 NFL draft. It's the Lockdown NFL Podcast. The Zags, four and a half point favorites tonight against the Baylor Bears. It's the national championship matchup. I think everybody wanted. It's what we deserve. You want to maybe get some action on tonight's contest? Bet online's the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You've got the NBA, you've got the NHL, you've got Major League Baseball all in full swing and one last college basketball game for it all. BetOnline even covers the award shows, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has it covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website, betonline.ag. Use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. You put in 100 bucks, you can get $50 free to help build your stack for free. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Lockdown Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. It's 24 days until the 2021 NFL Draft, but who's counting? Benjamin Solak, Lockdown NFL Draft. He joins us here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Benjamin Trevor Sikama hosts Locked On NFL Draft. They give you the latest positional rankings, analysis for the draft prospects, team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. Actually headed your way soon. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Benjamin, also senior writer of the Draft Network. Ben, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, of course, Bo. Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, of course, and I want to get into this conversation out of the gates about Penny Sewell, the top prospect at the tackle position in the 2021 draft. He recently had his pro day. He's going to speak with the media today. Uh, kind of a two-parter question to kick things off. Is it fair to say that Sewell's stock is falling, and what does he need to do to maybe change that? Uh, so I would say it's fair that to say that Sewell's stock has fallen. Uh, you know, the, the information pipeline 
this year is even more kind of clogged up and convoluted than it is in years past where without a, a true NFL combine with kind of an abbreviated senior bowl with scouts, not so much on the road this year, uh, information gets from the league to the media a lot chunkier, a lot more stop and start this year. Uh, from the beginning, from the, 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 the start of the 2020 season, really, when both Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater, the tackle at Northwestern, opted out, we heard from plugged-in guys, right, like you, Daniel Jeremiah's and your Lance Erlines, and the guys who scout and talk to the league, uh, that Sewell was not consensus offensive tackle one. Uh, and that's always really been the case. I think a lot of the media has Sewell's clear tackle one. Everybody's been excited about him since he was a freshman. But for the league, it's always been Sewell and Slater. Uh, and that process just continued. You know what I mean? Slater had a great pro day and Sewell had a, had a great pro day. I mean, like, you know, he didn't have the longest arms in the world, but nobody really thought he was, he was going to. Uh, so his stock is right about where it's been, which is I expect him to be a top 10 pick. And I think he'll be the first tackle off the board, but it's not sold uh, that he'll be the first tackle off the board. So yeah, Sewell is, is, is definitely held more in the media than he is in the league. But I think that's been the case for a while. I don't think anything in his pro day really led to that drop. It's more so just the information got to us when scouts and media members were in Oregon because they're watching Penny Sewell in Oregon. I, I just felt like Sewell to the Bengals was like this year's version of Tua and the Dolphins. Like it's an inevitable just marriage. But it, how do you see it? Yeah, no, I see what you're talking about. And and sometimes that's what it is, right? It's it's as simple as, all right, who's the best player? Who's the position that you need? Uh, Miami needed a quarterback. Tua was used the top quarterback in that class. Uh, I don't think that they didn't like Justin Herbert. I don't think that uh, they wouldn't have been okay with Justin Herbert. But it seemed like it was Tua for them through and through. Right, with Cincinnati now, with all this Jamar Chase run, uh, potentially him being the pick over Sewell, I think that it, it may be more smoke than fire. Chase would not be a bad pick by any stretch of the imagination. He'd be a good pick. Uh, I don't think they have a true wide receiver one. I'm not sure T. Higgins is that guy. Tyler Boyd's a big slot. I think they could be fine getting another day two guy and, and continuing with the rotation. But Jamar Chase certainly helps. With that said, uh, if Riley Reef weren't on the team, I don't think anybody would take this idea seriously, but because Riley reef is on the team, people are like, it's fine. They have Riley reef for a year, man. You can't be putting that sort of faith in Riley reef. Like that's just irresponsible. They gave him a one year deal. It's, it's a two year deal via like structure, but it's a void year. So it's a one year deal. Uh, you know, reef has been considered a move in candidate for guard for multiple seasons. He's been a, a mid tier starter for Minnesota. Uh, you, you're running as much empty protection in the entire world uh, in Cincinnati as any other team that Sewell pick is still the most logical. He's still a tremendous prospect who was 19 years old, who had elite film in 2019, much like Jamar Chase did. Uh, I still expect Sewell to be the pick for the Bengals. Like I said, Chase wouldn't be bad and I would get it. Um, but I think Sewell, right, like very much so like two in the Dolphins. Just makes too much sense. Benjamin Solak, listen to him, of course, Locked On NFL Draft. Of course, follow him on Twitter. Great follow, at Benjamin Solak. So that being said, in your opinion, which top five, top ten team really controls this NFL draft like multiverse or draft verse, whatever you want to call it? Which team can really <laughs> rattle Benjamin the most draft boards and, and how can they do it? Uh, it's Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's the pivot. You know, Miami was the pivot at three until Miami traded the pick to the Niners. And then we know it's going to be quarterback at one, definitely Lawrence, quarterback at two, probably Wilson, quarterback at three. We don't know yet, but it's going to be a quarterback. And so there will be teams, Carolina at eight, Denver at nine, uh, who maybe want to move up to get a quarterback at four, 
but they don't know if that quarterback will be available because they don't know who the Niners are picking. Uh, there may end up being, you know, Justin Fields is the pick, Trey Lance is the pick, and then nobody wants to move up. And now Atlanta isn't able to trade back, and maybe they have to stay and make a pick, and they're probably going to make the first non-quarterback pick. Do they take Kyle Pitts off the board? Does that affect the Dolphins at six, their plan? Do they take uh, Patrick Sertan at four? And how does that affect the corner needs behind, right, in Carolina and in, in Dallas? Uh, Atlanta... Uh, the Niners pick will be the first domino to fall, but really it's just a matter of which quarterback is it. The Falcons are the ones who are going to have to have a lot of different plans for a lot of different uh, eventualities. How much, how much do they want to trade back? Terry Fontenot, the general manager there out of new Orleans, typically a trade up team uh, in new Orleans. He's gonna have to be trading back now to potentially get capital. Uh, They've got a lot going on and they still could wildcard it and take a quarterback to back up Matt Ryan and potentially bring in the next era of Atlanta football. So Atlanta right now is your pivot. Uh, 25,000 different draft eventualities. They all start at pick four. Wow. Very fascinating stuff. You talk about the quarterback position. Of course, you can Sharpie and Trevor Lawrence at one, and it looks more and more like Wilson, as he said, will probably go two, and then three is the wild card, and we get lost you know, at that quarterback position because it's the most important position in all of sports. But there's some intriguing positional debates going on. Any that uh, pique your interest, and in, in this is outside the quarterback position, uh, the most in this 2021 draft class? Oh, man. The tight end is, is, is easy. Corner corner would have been interesting. Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan, and J.C. Horn all at the top. But Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech has a... Uh, is a back injury, right? right? And so he's he's on he's not going to be the top guy now. So I think it's going to be Sertan and Horn. Uh, I'm not entirely sure who goes first to that group. I would guess Sertan, um, but that that's pretty cut and dry. Linebackers clean, I guess. Uh, uh, you know what what is interesting is offensive tackle after. Slater and Sewell. So Slater and Northwestern Sewell out of Oregon, we expect to be the top two. Following that, it's a very thick group. Uh, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame. Samuel Cosme out of Texas. Uh, Christian Darasaw out of Virginia Tech. Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State. Uh, Brady Christensen out of BYU. Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. And I definitely forgot at least one person. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah. a very, very thick group of late one, mid one, fringe, early two players. And whenever you have a thick group like that, it's a staring contest, right? Eventually you'll get to some pick where some team likes one of those guys enough that they make that pick. And then every team afterward who was hoping their guy was going to drop will start to get a little itchy, start to get a little sweaty, uh, worried if the, the run's about to start. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Slater, we see Sewell, and then we start to get into the late teens, early 20s one tackle goes off the board and then they start flying off the board uh, because nobody want to miss out on, on that really talented group. So it, it, it projects a very strong tackle class. I expect four or five plus to be drafted in the first round and more early day two. Uh, good group could fall a lot of different ways. We're just over three weeks away from the first round of the NFL draft. You have to listen to Locked On NFL Draft with Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak. And of course, follow on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Benjamin, thank you so much for your time. Of course, Bo. You be well, man. Thanks, Ben. The Houston Police Department has launched an investigation concerning Deshaun Watson. I bring on lawyer Byron Brown to break down what the investigation means to the Watson case. We may crown a champion in college basketball tonight, but one champion has already been crowned, and that's Coconut Brownie Chunk. The Built Bar won the championship, took out Cookie Dough Chunk in a battle of just the most delicious protein bars on the planet. Yeah, Built Bar, we've been telling you about it for a while now. It is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. How about ever? 
If you haven't tried the Champion, the Coconut Brownie Chunk, you absolutely have to do so. Go to BuiltBar.com and order a box. And while you're at it, put in the promo code LOCKED15 and save yourself 15% on your first order. Unbelievably delicious. The bar is covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, but they're equally as healthy as they are delicious. They're great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bar is low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for those on the keto diet. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com. As I said, use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. It's April, and the Locked On NFL network of podcasts is shifting in the draft mode. April 19th through the 23rd, the ultimate 2021 mock draft featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Find out who trades up, who trades back, and who selects the next young star. Stay tuned for more info where you can find the ultimate 2021 mock draft. The Houston Police Department has launched an investigation concerning Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Byron Brown, the anti-lawyer lawyer, joins us. Check out antilawyer.com. Byron's going to provide some insight, context, when the sports world and law worlds collide. Big B, thanks for joining us. Hey, anytime, Bolt. Of course. What is the Houston Police Department launching this investigation tell us about the Deshaun Watson case? Well, it tells us that they at least believe there's enough evidence or maybe there's enough smoke for them to go in and perform an investigation. I think part of that is this societal pressure. I mean, you have Busby over here representing these women who allege that Deshaun Watson did a bunch of horrible stuff to him and it's getting played out in the media. And at some point, and I know that they've come out and they said, well, Busby hasn't given us any evidence or the accusers haven't given us any evidence. Fair enough. But they still have a duty to go out and perform an investigation. And I think, I don't know, it, it's either they think that there's something there and they're investigating it, or there's just enough smoke out there that they believe that they have to investigate it to appease the public. But either way, they're doing what they should have done, I believe, weeks ago. You mentioned Busby, the Houston attorney. In your professional opinion, have you seen his approach as being a bit unorthodox? Yeah, I think it is somewhat orthodox for a couple of reasons. So first of all, I started following him on Instagram. Before this, I heard about him once where he was involved in some deal with some court reporter who got intoxicated and allegedly like destroyed a bunch of paintings in his house. And then if you watch him on social media, he does seem to be someone who really enjoys the spotlight. He ran for the mayor of Houston. He donated a bunch of money to the Republican Party. I even think he donated his private plane to them um, over the course of some of the elections. So this is someone who likes the spotlights, familiar with it, and I do believe seeks it out. So that could just be part of his personality playing this out. However, what I think, when I see someone play it out like this and they're not really releasing a lot of information, I mean, they, Busby and the accusers, so it kind of makes me think that they have a little bit of a weak case. Um, I'm guessing because I obviously don't know him personally, but I think one of the things they might have done is try to settle this early with Deshaun. Deshaun obviously said, kick rocks. I'm not going to settle anything. So then what I think Busby's doing is playing it out in the media, hoping that this pressure on Deshaun Watson causes him to settle the case. I mean, we don't know. Maybe it works right now. All we're getting out of the, the Watson camp is I'm eager to defend myself. You know, they've brought forward women who say that Deshaun was a perfect gentleman. So it's interesting, but it's definitely the approach of Busby playing this out in the media at least tells me that I think it's not as strong a case as he believes. So he's trying to use 
the media's leverage to increase the value of the settlement for the accusers. Byron Brown joins us here on the Lockdown NFL Podcast. Bo Brock, he's the anti-lawyer lawyer. Check out antilawyer.com. Uh, what's your best advice to our listeners out there trying to follow this case with every step being played out in the public domain? Well, the biggest thing I got to tell everyone is, is take everything. And I'm sure they do with a bucket of salt. I mean, the stuff (laughs) that you hear from Busby or the stuff that you hear from the accusers is obviously one-sided and obviously they're going to put everything out there, um, as strong as they can to support their side doing this as long as I have almost two decades almost always the truth lies in the middle. So do I think that Deshaun's Watson is guilty as they make it out to be? No, but that's Busby's job. He's, his job is to build this case up. Lawyers always talk about building the case up. And this is exactly what Busby's doing. And on the other side, the defense is doing typically what they do. Now, a lot of times people think, okay, if you're so innocent, stand up and prove that you're innocent. That's not how the justice system works though. The justice system works that the accusers have the duty of proof to prove that Deshaun Watson did these dirty acts. Deshaun Watson has zero duty. When I try cases, I actually tell the jury when I'm on the defense, I say, does it bother you that I can sit here on my hands the entire trial and not do anything? And the reason why I do that is, is because some people can think, well, the defense didn't do anything, so they must be guilty. No, no, no. The defense does not have to do anything. And in fact, if I was Deshaun Watson's lawyer, I would tell him, other than the one statement you made at the beginning of this saying that he was eager to defend himself, I wouldn't have even had to made that statement. My advice to all my clients is unless it's guaranteed to help you, you're going to keep your mouth shut. So for the people to watch this out, the defense, the Deshaun Watson side should be fairly quiet the entire time and don't read into that as a sign of guilt because it's not at all. And Busby's doing what he has to do for his clients. He's trying to build that case up again. That does not mean that they have the better case or everything that he says is true. He's just doing what he needs to do. So what we're watching play out is fairly normal, but everybody has to remember probably the truth is somewhere in the middle. Last question for you. Deshaun Watson, you think he's playing football next season? You know what? That's really interesting because I, I really, I, I started thinking about that a lot. Um, obviously he wants out of Houston. I think this is going to probably cause no teams to want to trade for him just because they want to let the dust settle. I mean, the last thing someone wants to do is trade a bunch of picks for him, a bunch of cash, a bunch of players, and it turned out these allegations are true. And then they obviously aren't going to play him if the allegations are true. Um, So I think what's going to happen again, I don't know, though, if you're in the Deshaun Watson camp, you probably want this wrapped up pretty soon. And again, that plays into Busby's cards, right? Uh, So it's interesting. I think if a set, I believe a settlement will be reached before training camps, startup where Deshaun Watson is at that point. I, I don't know, but I think he's going to find that it's in his best interest to settle. Now people could say, okay, well he settles, he's guilty. No, think about it. This guy's making what 20, 30 mil a season. So if he pays off these people, I call it blood money at this point, almost ransom money, because regardless of what the accusations are true or not, if you're Deshaun Watson's lawyer, you're sitting there and you're like, listen, man, If we play this out, no one's going to trade for you. If we go to trial and you lose because trials, you never know what's going to happen. Good lawyers, you know, you win cases you should have lost and you lost cases that you should have won. So I think the pressure is mounting on him, which plays into Busby's cards. And I think that he's going to settle this because, you know, he's got more to lose than he does gain by fighting this. Meaning, you know, if he does continue to fight it and he's not playing, he's losing tens, twenties and thirties of millions of dollars. Now, maybe he's okay with that from a moral side of things. But I think what we're going to see is he's just going to say, listen, here's a couple mil or whatever. 
It'll be a confidential settlement. No one will know the money he's paid and then he'll continue his career. So he'll play somewhere. I believe this will be wrapped up and allow him to do that. Where Houston somewhere else? I don't know. Tremendous insight to the Deshaun Watson case, adding context where it's absolutely needed, especially for people like myself. Sports and law, when they collide, our guy Byron Brown, he's got us covered. Thanks so much, Big B. Thanks, Bo. Of course. That's going to do it for me, Bo Brock, here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Make sure you tell us on Twitter who you believe is the best active player who's never hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, never won a Super Bowl. It's a Pretty long list of impressive NFL players. Tomorrow, Lucas Braun, Ross Jackson, they're going to bring you the latest news around the NFL Plus, plus how it affects your fantasy team. They'll talk to you then. I'm Bo Brock. Make sure you follow me on Twitter as well, at B-O-B-R-A-C-K. Have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you next Monday on the Locked On NFL Podcast.